Welcome to episode 198 of Saturday Football Uncensored, brought to you by Saturday Down South and Texas Pete. On today's episode, we talk a little bit about the Connor Wegman injury, some interesting news surrounding Clemson leaving the ACC, and of course, we preview week five with a very special guest, Wes Blankenship. You can find this show on our website, SaturdayDownSouth.com, and Apple and Spotify. Don't forget to join us for the live recording of the show every Sunday at 8 Eastern time on the Saturday Down South YouTube page. Please go share the show with your friends, if at all possible. Send us to 20 friends. I don't know, Chris. 15? Is that more reasonable? 69. 69 of your friends. We're looking to expand the pod. Uh, find clips from the show on Twitter, at SatDownSouth and at SatFBUncensored. On Instagram and TikTok, at SaturdayDownSouth. You can find us on YouTube. Chris, where? Saturday Down South. That's right. <laughs> and now, here's the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Football Uncensored, brought to you by Saturday Down South and Texas Pete. I'm your host, Tyler Huck, and with me, as always, Chris Marler. Chris, not as big of a week as week four, but still a pretty big week, week five. Yeah, there's some depth to this one. Like, yeah, there's not as many marquee matchups. But let's also talk about the fact that like one of the marquee matchups last week was Colorado, Oregon. That was a huge dud. Yeah. So I think there's like still a lot of storylines. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah. So before we get into the slate this week, um, did you see this whole thing about the uh, CFP and this new format that's being rumored now? The CFP. Yeah, the college football playoff. Yeah. So I don't get it because what I'm so Heather Dennich broke this this morning and was saying that they're leaning towards a five, five plus seven format, which means there'd be five automatic bids and then it'd be the seven highest ranked teams after that. Now, if it's a five automatic bids, like the one reason why it's stupid is because there's not five, com- there's only five conferences. So I'm reading it now. It says in the ACC, Big 10, Big 12, SEC, and the highest ranked group of five team would automatically get a bid. Then the next seven highest ranked teams would make the 12 team playoff. It was originally expected to be a six and six, but the demise, the demise of the pac 12 has resulted in people changing their minds real quick. Did you see that Washington state and Oregon state and like the, the bloods and crips unite thing they did before the game? Stupid. It was really stupid. It was yeah. really stupid and embarrassing. Like but watching it was, like the mighty ducks or something like that. Even but even worse, yeah. Even worse, because like Iceland, they weren't teaming up with Iceland. That's true. Even though Gunnar Saul just like for whatever reason was in the next movie as like the goalie for like the varsity team, but at, at Eden Hall, we're not going to talk about that though. I'm sure that Washington State has a guy named Gunnar on the team. Has to right? without a doubt, without yeah. a doubt. Like how many? Hold on, real quick. How many? Let's just do Power Five only. How many Power Five teams? Off the top of your head, do you think would have a guy named Gunner? I think Iowa, for sure. All the Michigan teams: Eastern Michigan, Western Michigan, Central Michigan, Michigan, yeah. Michigan State. Gunner crack tall. Um, Penn State seems like a Gunner school. Mm-hmm. Liberty, NC State. NC State seems like a big Gunner school. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas, Texas, yeah, but it's like a backup quarterback, so it's like not as cool. Yeah. Texas Tech, for sure. Oh, for That's sure. Like, I mean, it yeah. just it just makes sense. That's what she was the, the meme of the guy with his head down with the with the gun up. 
You remember yeah. Texas Tech when they're losing by like 60? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Hold on. West Blankenship we, just sent me a text. I'm going to send you a link at 930. This is good radio. Um, anyway, no. So the, the format or the playoff model format is interesting, I guess. I don't think it's that different than what we thought. I am a little bit surprised that the the model is so... I mean, I guess it's not that different than what they were going to do. If it's a six and six, it was going to be, um, it was going to be, what do you call it? Uh, the five power five teams or school or conferences, sorry. And then the automatic birth from the group of group of five schools. So it's not different, I guess. Yeah. So it's just four conferences plus maybe an automatic bid for highest ranked G5. Yeah. And then this next seven ranked after that. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, so honestly, like, if you're looking at like the big 10, cause a lot of these two, you're going to go away. You're going to do away with the, um, with the divisions, right? Like, like next year, the sec yeah. and the big 10, it'll be interesting to see how many of these teams are ranked and how much of like, how much are they going to try to go from around the country? Because like, dude, you look at it right now. I mean, go through the big, go through the, 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 the top 25 right now. Number one is who like if it, if it was today and just say that whoever the highest from the sec and, and big, like, you know, power five teams won their, won their, um, conference so it'd be georgia would be an automatic then it would be who and i and also Notre dame count as a group like it doesn't count as a group of five like who, where, what are they what are we doing with that highest ranked team i guess right yeah i guess they don't have a chance for an automatic bid well join a conference how about that yeah but like you know that they're going to it somehow sneak them in like, like they'll that, be in the big 10 at some point i mean i think it's yeah, inevitable. Sure. yeah um but it's so what, be georgia, georgia michigan michigan florida state Texas. maybe well, yeah, you guys would be yeah from the ACC, so that's yep. that's four. And then who's the fifth? Who's the highest non? Uh, who's the highest G five? Mm. Tulane. No, I don't think they are anymore. Um, highest blah blah blah, blah is, oh, dude, Fresno State, and they're twenty fifth. Isn't that weird? Ugh. All right, so that means that like after those people got in, it would be Ohio State, Penn State. We're trying to get seven here, right? Ohio State. Penn State, Washington, USC, Oregon, Utah, Notre Dame. So you, you would essentially, as if it ended today, the way this format would be set up, you would have... There'd only be one SEC team in? That Texas would be count as the SEC, technically. Oh, yeah. oh, no, no, I guess you're right. Like So then, like... but That's Penn crazy. State, Ohio State, Washington, USC, Oregon, and Utah. So you're talking about however you want to, however you want to break it down the Pac-12 or like would have a minimum four teams in. It's kind of wild. Kind of wild. That is wild. So. But those would count for the Big Ten and the Big 12, I guess, going forward. Yeah, crazy. Um, I still think there's some movement. And and speaking of that, maybe we go – it's a nice segue into the, the Clemson stuff. Yeah. Let's, I mean, we got graphics on graphics on graphics. Look at that. Look at that Dabo graphic I put up there See just for you. you later. Now, do you get it? See you like Clemson, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, all right, yeah. It's a see you. Oh, but they're anyway. also potentially leaving the ACC. So, see you. So, see I you. got a text from one of my good buddies and one of our listeners. I'm not going to say his name on here because I don't know if we're allowed to or not. But he has been pretty spot on with most of the stuff that he's told me. Or about. she, or she. We we yeah. don't know. Yeah. Okay. He's he's a they. So them has been really good about all of their information so far. 
um and he's been like he's like he lives in south carolina um but he's had like his finger on the pulse of mostly everything that south carolina or clemson um related this past offseason right so he sends me something today and it's like a story that kind of kind of broke and it's about the likelihood of clemson this is sapikoff gene i think his name is gene sapikoff uh, yeah, this guy also, he's, I forgot what it was, but he said something crazy stupid a couple years back. Like it was something like, like egregiously bad. It was like a Clemson take, like a pro Clemson take. Um, anyway, but he said Clemson's ACC departure may be sooner as Gamecocks fret. There are rumors that Clemson is going to leave the ACC, uh, and they are going to be officially offered them and North Carolina, um, be officially offered by the big 10. Now, they I've been told what would most likely happen there is that if they get an official offer, that would become public, but they would not necessarily commit to that because they would wait to see if the SEC also makes an offer. The okay. main thing is their departure, their announcement of like intention to leave the ACC could come as early as next week. Here's the thing where I would maybe poke a hole in that story is that I don't believe basically anyone that wanted to leave the ACC next year mm-hmm. um, or like ahead of the football season next year was had to announce that before August. So you yeah. could still announce it, but I think I don't think you could go public with an offer because then that's tampering. Right. But they're, you I know? mean, it's, but it's going to be announced. Well, it'll be announced that they want to leave, but I'm talking about like, making an official offer publicly from the big 10. Yeah. I don't think that could happen as I understand it. I could be wrong. Yeah, maybe, but that's not the only person that's saying it now. Twitter can become an echo chamber, but no, not Twitter. There's a guy out there who admittedly has been wrong before about Clemson leaving, leaving the ACC about two years ago, Mark Ryan, uh, who is a, a guy up in, what is it? Greenville? South Carolina, um, Gold, Goldville, Greenville. Who gives a shit? Yeah, he or yeah, the Upstate. Yes, he, he works for the Upstate, South Carolina. He tweeted today, "Stay very tuned." Quote unquote. A Clemson senior administrator said when asked how soon a Clemson ACC departure could be announced, "Quote sooner than later." Will it be the Big Ten or the SEC for Clemson? They did it. Clemson found a way out of the grant of rights. Hey, we'll see. We will see. Um, it's just always rumors, man, until it happens. So we'll just we'll just have to see. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Last but not least, before we get into the, the actual games, bad news. Yeah. Bad. Bad. Um, I don't even, even want to say because it, it, it makes you feel bad now. Um, Connor <laughs> Wegman. Ironically, Jimbo. Bad. Real bad. Yeah. Connor Wegman, and this is this hurts doubly as bad because I just realized. This week that his name is spelled with an E, not two O's, and I've been spelling it wrong in my quarterback rankings. No, that's how I mean that's how most Connor spells. That's how Connor O'Gara spells it. Two O's. Oh, like Connor. Yeah, Connor with it, not Connor. (laughs) You meant Um, two O's. That would be weird. I'm a bit of a connoisseur of Connor words. Okay, I'm that's too much. I'm doing too much. Um, no. So Connor Wegman is out for the year. He has a Injury in his foot, 
that they thought it was going to be two to four weeks, and they found out yesterday after, I guess, an MRI or something, Billy Lucci, our good friend, friend of the pod, friend of us in real life, great dude, all over that Johnny Manziel doc. Fantastic hair, by the way. Um, broke the news yesterday that it's worse than they expected because it's a weight-bearing bone, and he is going to be out for the rest of the year. So kind of sucks because he's been playing really, really well. It's a guy that guy that came in and was was second in the in the conference. I'm sorry, in the country in QBR going into last weekend for the Auburn game. He's been really, really good. He's been like really, really good. And, and I felt like he's only going to get better in that offense. But, you know, we're not trying to the, the sky isn't falling. I will say this, even as a Bama guy, the last time Alabama went to College Station with a back and faced a backup quarterback. Was Zach Calzada? <laughs> Kid went off that night. So, sure. um, you know, I don't, I don't think, I don't think the season's over. They got a really capable backup uh, with Max Johnson, guy that you know spent some time over at LSU and actually, you know, played really well there and played well on Saturday too against Auburn. So, we'll see. Yeah, that's tough news, man. I mean, uh, Wegman was having a great year. He was yeah. one of the top uh, QBs in the country, I think QBR. Um. So obviously a big time. I mean, Max Johnson is good. He's got SEC experience, no doubt, but still a downgrade from Wegman. And yeah, that's 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 tough news for AM fans. Uh all right, should we get into the slate here? Let's do it. Where do you want to start? Do we want to start there? A and No, let's do, let's do like a quick let's do a quick other one real quick. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to preview this game for too long without our, our special guests. I do not want to start there. We are not going to start <laughs> at Mizzou and Vandy. Let's get into, how about this? Let's get into this one at the bottom. Okay. Mine. Okay. Um, Mississippi state at Alabama. It is a 9 PM start, which is awful. Alabama comes in as a 14 and a half point favorite. A um, little bit surprised on that. Trying to figure out what the over-unders. I want to believe, I want to say it's 56 and a half, which is kind I of think interesting it's as well. 46 and a half. No, that's not right. That's There's what no CBN way. says. It is. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, 46 is, and a half. Holy sheesh. Is that that's crazy? Okay. Well, um both teams run the ball a lot. Yes. Or probably but, will will. But last week. Last week, um, that is a very low number. Last yeah. week, Mississippi State on the road in South Carolina. You finally got a little bit of a glimpse. And I'll tell you what, I was in I was in the camp of saying that I thought it was good for Zach Arnett to kind of come in and stick to his guns on who he wanted uh, or what he wanted to do is like establish as an offensive identity. Um, and they did that. Like they, they, they had been running the football. You saw the game against Arizona where they still only had, I believe, it was like 17 attempts or something like that. Um, even though it's double overtime, they ran the football and then you saw the game against LSU where they really, really struggled. And then they go up against a team like South Carolina, who has been horrible uh, in, in the secondary and then horrible on the offensive line, but especially in the secondary. And you finally get a game out of your, I mean, your star that you've had for, for years. Um, Will Rogers came in 30 of 48, 30 of 48 for 487 yards. Now, surprisingly, he only had one touchdown, one interception. Um, so that, that that is kind of a shocking number to throw for almost 500 yards and only have one touchdown. But they were not able to run the ball. They they had, I think this is for the full game, I saw from our guy, um, SEC stat cat, Greg Brooks, great dude. I've mentioned him on here before. He's, he noted that in the, uh, in the game against South Carolina, their running backs had a negative yards before contact. Like it's behind the line of scrimmage. 
they were getting hit at the point of contact, which is horrible, horrible. So I, I think the only key to success here, if you are Mississippi State, you're going to have to hope you can throw the football. I, I, I've i said this stat a thousand times. Mississippi State has scored one touchdown in three straight years against Alabama combined, and it was on the last play of the game last year. I was watching it with you at your house up in wherever, like Bumblefuck. Um, yep. It's like three hours away. Um, but no, so like I, I think that – this could be interesting, I think, for, especially for the first half. And if you're Mississippi State, you want to you want to hang around and hang around as long as you can, and keep it close because this is the first road start for Jalen Milrow in his career. He didn't have any last year. He came in on the road against Arkansas. Remember, he was one of four for three yards in that game, um, passing the ball. So on the road in Starkville, late, late, late at night, probably a raucous crowd. Cowbells will be ringing. What do you think about this game? The low total makes me believe that Mississippi State's not really going to score very many points per mm-hmm. usual. Um yeah. I think it could be I think you could see a couple I I think this will go over because I think Bama will have some sort of like special teams or defensive touchdown. Um I I really like the way they're playing defense. Mississippi yeah. State was was very very lackluster against LSU. Um a team who we found out maybe doesn't have the greatest defense and they still really struggled. Yeah. Um, so I've got Bama 38, Mississippi State 13. I think Bama's going to put up some points. Um, yeah. So that, that would be over the total. Um, and I think they cover the 14 and a half. I think Bama is on a little bit of a mission here to prove that they're not totally out of it like everyone thinks they are. I What interests me most about this game is this, before I give you my prediction, and that is how does Jalen Milrow look on the road? And then as a team, how does Alabama look coming off a really, really big and needed win against Ole Miss because we saw this in the start of the year against against Texas and Tyler Booker comes out afterwards and saying how they weren't as focused as they needed to be during practice that week. And it's like, how are you not focused? How are you not focused for like what's arguably the biggest game on the schedule against Texas? And it's week two. Like, like how is that not at the forefront of your mind all offseason, not only just for that week, but all offseason? You come off a game where you finally piece some things together, especially in the second half and, and look – at least for 30 minutes, a lot like some of the Bama teams of the past, right? Um, are they able to come back out there and stack weeks? Are they able to come back out there and and put together a, a game where you leave Starkville and not only with a win, but like confident? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Because because here's the thing, too. You're going to College Station next week. And I love how this potentially sets up for Alabama because College Station is going to be a very tough environment. 330 CBS game. It's going to be hot as shit. It's going to be a very, very difficult environment. They're like, you know, that's a that's a big big game for AM if they want to achieve any of their their goals just like Alabama. So this is a good setup. You're going to a house of like, you know, 60,000 people, so it's like half the size basically of 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 Kyle Field. How do you how do you handle everything on the road? How's the offensive line look like with pre-snap penalties and all that kind of stuff and the cowbells? A lot of really good I think can come out of this game and I wonder if they leave Starkville with confidence and not just a win. I got Bama winning 28 to 10 though. Okay. Still no. cover. Yeah. Let's get into my favorite rivalry in, in, in all of college football. Not even just the SEC, but all of college football. Uh, and that is the Deep South's oldest rivalry. Auburn, Georgia, 3.30 Eastern on Saturday. Um, what are your initial thoughts on this? I think it's a 14 and a half point line. It actually has come down uh, yeah. for for in favor of Auburn. Yeah, I mean, I think Georgia. So Georgia, kind of, of course, the the first 
three games really struggled, especially in the red zone scoring. Yeah. Um, maybe they're starting to figure that out a little bit with just figuring out their personnel. They went six for six inside the 20 last week against UAB. Still a little lackluster on offense, though. Had three turnovers in the game. I'm just trying to figure out what is Georgia, especially on offense. I think we always are going to know what they are on defense. You got Brock Bowers. Who else is is like? Would you consider like a real star on that offense? Carson Beck. I, I tell you what, Arian Smith can be because they, yeah. there was a lot of plays that I've seen this year where he, I mean, he's. There's they they had a couple of mismatches in in coverage where he was he was running basically just like either deep posts or go routes and 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 like they they would bring him into the slot so when you would like roll your coverage over it was like him on a safety and he was like blowing by dudes and it was it was awesome like I mean like but I think they just missed a couple of those throws by like you know two three yards yeah yeah I I think. Georgia's offense will show up in this game. I could also see in this game some sort of defensive touchdown from Georgia, like Peyton Thorne just getting laid out, much like uh, Cade Klubnick last week. Auburn was awful throwing the ball against A&M. Yeah. I mean, Peyton Thorne had 44 passing yards, and he got benched. In the, he was sacked five times, and he got benched finally in the in the third quarter. And then Robbie Ashford proceeded to come in and complete one pass for four yards. Yeah, that QBR must have been off the charts. I mean, so uh, Auburn's baby. a little banged up in the secondary. I don't know how Auburn scores much in this game. So I like Georgia 35-13. I was asked, I was asked this today on the radio, and they were like, does Auburn score? And I was like, I mean, I think the over-under on this one is 54, right? So it's like you would expect them to score. And then what's weird, too, is a bunch of models that have come out. No, this, came, uh, like, this, this total came down a lot. It's 45 and a half. Okay, maybe I just don't know how. To, am I dyslexic? I just don't know how to read. I've just two in a row that I've missed. Yeah, you're bad at math, maybe. I'm not bad at math. I'm not doing this to you tonight. I'm not doing this to you tonight. Right. Um, I'll get into some of the stuff that I think about later. We have a very special guest coming in. Um, a man that really doesn't need an introduction. It depends on which personality he's going to come in here with for his introduction, though. Uh, one of my favorite people. Not just wait. How do we get this out of here? Not just and that's a look at that smile. Just lighting up a room already. Um. Oh no, he's muted. Oh no, we can't hear you. Uh, I needed to unmute my mic. That was my personality. Was that I needed to unmute my mic? What's we up, West Blankenship, man? Are we it's, are it's we really uncensored? Can I see what say whatever I want? You're too good of a person to do that, so I don't know if I want to let you do that. But yeah, you can. I mean, I can't. I feel like you're gonna say, "God darn it!" I mean, no one can get canceled in here. I can say. I won't oh. say what I was thinking. Uh, <laughs> Skip Bayless take about Dion. My Skip Bayless take is that Skip Bayless is a complete sentence. It's just a verb and a and a noun. <laughs> That's pretty fair. I don't, yeah. Like this this entire week of watching him still somehow be relevant, and then and then just it is like it's it's the most cringe content. You're talking about me or Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless, you're great. Your content's fantastic. Um, that's actually listen. I like. I was gonna save this question for for later, but I kind of want to just ask it right off the bat. And you create content, obviously, just like I do, but you just do it at a much better, better and funnier job of doing it. But if you had to like set up, because like you do the Matthew McConaughey thing, you obviously do the, like the, the Coffee Town thing, which is hilarious. Even Thanks. after like like year three of doing it, it's it's still hilarious. One of my favorite things every week. But if you had to draw up like just dream scenarios for content for you the rest of the year, 
Like Bama oh, losing man. to Texas is like a good, good thing for content for you. Like what? Yeah, it's what, just like, it's so hard, man. Uh, first of all, thank you both for having me on, uh, Tyler and Chris. It's uh, it's an honor, man. I I love and I I admire y'all's consistency because that's the hardest thing to do with oh, any yeah. of this stuff. All this content yeah. is just being consistent and not being the same exact thing every week. Um, but to answer your question. Last fall, I did a thing that was kind of like a riff off of Weekend Update with uh, yeah. like just kind of taking the newsy stuff and like turning it around and, and having a punchline. Yeah. If I could do that and people actually watched it, I would do that. That would be the only thing I did. But the problem is no one has any patience for anything anymore. No. So like if you want to do a joke... It might be a good joke, and I'm sure you know a lot of my jokes were bad. But if it, even if it was a good one, no one's sitting through like a 40 second video to to get to a joke. So uh, if I could do that in an ideal world, and people would actually watch it, yeah. I'd still do that because I think that's that format is just so funny. It's so unexpected. Yeah. You get to pull in things that that people don't see coming, and that's probably what I would do. I like that. How'd you get your start in this? Were you, was it, you liked comedy and jokes and happened to be into sports or were you into sports first and then the comedy came later or was it a mixture yeah. of both? Well, I mean, professionally, I got my start doing local news and, and a lot of people don't even know that, which I guess is a good thing, but also a terrible <laughs> thing. Like I must've really <laughs> sucked at local news, but I did, uh, I did local news. I was a sports anchor in Macon. Uh, right out of college and then in Atlanta for a few years and then they didn't renew my contract but that was okay because COVID happened and I had a little girl with my wife and spent a lot of great time with her so I'm I'm kind of glad that happened the way that it did we were able to move out to Athens so that's how I truly got my start but then having that little break that pause like that's what gave me the opportunity to do Coffee Town was because I wanted to do impressions in the newsroom. I wanted to do like the SEC. Um, gosh, I feel like such a jerk. What are the, what are the I'm blanking on what the sketches are called. SEC shorts. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to do that. And um, I'm not throwing anybody under the bus. I mean, that that's a much bigger corporate entity and they didn't want to mm -hmm. take that chance. And I get that. But I want, like, I had the desire to do that stuff even when I was doing local news. But I was just a little bit, I just had to stay a little bit more straight laced, I guess. But um, yeah. I never did anything, like, I never wanted to sound like everybody else in local news. So that was kind of how that started. And yeah, I've always admired comedy. Like, uh, I love Sports Center growing up, but I, I think I watched as much David Letterman as I watched Sports Center. So, just kind of kind of like nature and nurture, right? Yeah, yeah that's fair. That's cool. I, I didn't see I didn't realize this until this week because you posted something about um Javon Bullard coming out of Baldwin County High School. I didn't realize that you were covering Baldwin County High School. Cause like the that that is I mean, there's nothing else there. Like, yeah, man. Just, like, that's where I went to school in, in Milledgeville. And that like we used to have to do like runs. We call it the bridge run, where it's like you run down to some bridge and back it was like two miles and and it was right next to Baldwin County what High a School. Unique like, name they chose for that, the Bridge Run. They did, they did. Also, 
I mean, I, I don't, I wasn't going to bring this up, but like I was in really good shape at the time and I won that bridge run every single time. It didn't translate oh. to being able to play at, like at any, at any point in my career, but it was a lot of fun. What were you um, running over? Uh, Lake Sinclair? No, I wish that was, I mean, that's actually, that was pretty, that'd be way too far. I've been to Lake oh. Sinclair in a minute. Um, but no, I mean, like so you, you got like a start, like in a small, I don't say a small town or whatever, but it's obviously blossomed and stuff like that. What's been some of like your, like you, the content part of it, you talk about like the, the, the weekend update and how that's like your favorite stuff, but you've done some like really, really fun stuff, right? Like you work with like Marty Smith and do all this other stuff. Yeah. What are you doing now? Like that's, that's a little bit different that people might not know about besides coffee town. Yeah. So, I mean, what I mostly do is I host a show two times a week for on three for uh, Georgia's site dogs HQ. And it's called the Georgia show because it's the first podcast about Georgia football. Like no one, has done a Georgia football podcast yet. So we just started calling it the Georgia show. And uh, that's what we're doing two times a week, Wednesdays and uh, Sundays at 8.30 p.m. So anyone that's watching this and, and loves Georgia or just wants to get some information about Georgia, maybe your team's playing the dogs that week. We are live every – just got off of that, actually. Yeah. Uh, we're live every Wednesday and Sunday at 8.30 p.m. And uh, I host that kind of – I'm not saying I am up to this caliber, but I'm like the Reese Davis of that show. I just kind of run point and like let our insiders, our recruiting insiders, our team beat reporters, just kind of set them up and um, let them run with the information that, that they want because that they have, because nobody really is craving the information that I have. I, I could, you know, just do a Larry Munson impersonation all night, but I think our numbers would probably not be that great. I I think there's like enough like boomers still like that, like boomer Georgia fans. Cause I run into them all the time. This is going to shock you, but like you mentioned, if you, if we have any Georgia listeners, I amazingly have not run them all off, which is, which has been against. Yeah. All I'm kind of suspicious about you, Marler. You're, you're giving the dogs a lot of credit here lately. They're good. Yeah. Well, let's start there. Just high level on Georgia. What what are your been been your impressions thus far? Yeah, uh, this season. Yeah, I mean it's gonna be boring to y'all, but I just think I think they're a team that replaced a quarterback and replaced an offensive coordinator. And you know, as much as I just said, I just kind of run point on that show. I mean, the take that I had all summer was, uh, you know, I don't care how good you are. Anytime you replace a quarterback and an OC in the same season, it's going to be really hard to just blow the doors down. Yeah. And it's kind of what I expected. Um, I still think they should be in the playoff by the end of the year. But right now, I'm not surprised that they're a little slow. And I yeah. think, you know, Marler, you, you saw the Georgia fans all summer. They're feeling a little froggy. And – I don't know. I, I don't really pay attention to it, but my perception that is that they've gotten a little bit quieter over the last few weeks. And I mean, I'm just right here. I'm just like, this is what I expected this team to be up until this yeah. point. They're on, you know, still an upward trajectory. Now they're banged up. And yeah, insert your joke here about a I'm not gonna say talking about injuries, but it's not just one guy. I mean, it is mm -hmm. across the defense. It is across the backfield. Uh, it's it's across the board on the O line. I mean, it's everywhere in different groups. So um, that's kind of been the biggest surprise, I guess, if you can call it a surprise. People get hurt in football, but yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's kind of 
kind of what I thought could be happening. Now I still expect them to get better. And I think Carson Beck is actually doing a lot better than a lot of Georgia fans, at least the most vocal Georgia fans out there seem to think that he's doing. I think he's on a good track. He's, I mean, he's played really well. He just doesn't, it's like, he just doesn't have, it's almost like a baseball player getting off to a slow start where it's like, you're hitting, like you're squaring up like, like every other bat. But like you're just not they're not falling. And like he's he's had a really good year so far. I feel like from like a completion percentage standpoint, from like the yards per attempt, like his his passer rating is great, all that kind of stuff. He's like in the top five in the SEC and most of those things. He just doesn't have a bunch of touchdowns. It doesn't have like and it's just not as explosive. This is gonna shock you. It's not as explosive as having a second year starter with the greatest offensive coordinator in history, like you said, <laughs> you know, and like like losing that. So I think I think I think what you said is pretty spot on. Um but you know what else he doesn't have? is a lot of turnovers. Yeah. And if you're playing for Kirby Smart, that's going to keep you the job nine times out of ten. Completely agree. I mean, like, he's been he's been really steady, I feel like, for the most part. And he's had a couple turnovers, but none of them are in, like, bad spots. Like, none of them are inside of, like, his own 20. None of them are, like, like in, like, you know, like Jalen Milrow going into score or anything like that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think this is kind of like the steady Eddie thing is, is probably the best way to describe it. And I still think they made the playoff. And if there's um, and if there's a year to do that, it's this year, right? Because yeah. who else is dynamite right now in college football? More so than everybody else. Yep. You know, Washington. Washington. Maybe. Oh, like maybe. Yeah, I but so, but you're right. Like it's like there's no great teams. There's a lot of really good teams, maybe. But like, like like the floor is closer to the ceiling. It seems like this year in terms of like elite teams, and like there's there's more people involved. Yeah. At, at, you know, up until this point, yeah. Anyway, I I think by the end of the year you'll probably see a couple horses pull away. Yeah. Um. All right. Speaking of horses and and cows and pastures and all that kind of stuff, Georgia goes down to Auburn this weekend. <laughs> I love that. It segue. is <laughs> the deep South oldest rivalry. It's my favorite rivalry in all of college football. I said a little bit before you came on here. Um. I love this rivalry so much. It still pisses me off they're not playing it in November and like like the leaves changing um like the christmas in the air all that kind of stuff like mm-hmm. I, I i hate that part what is i mean does this rivalry still mean something to georgia fans for one because i know they dominated they won 15 the last 18 what is your favorite part of this rivalry like going into this weekend especially does it still mean something yeah i think that the fans that are old enough to remember um like older than me old enough to remember the things like the water hoses getting turned on them, (laughs) Uh, that kind of thing. Um, You know, we were just talking about this on, on the Georgia show is, you know, there was, there was almost this, this vibe around this rivalry where it was like a cousin that you'd see every once in a while, you kind of, you know, get them in a headlock and give them a noogie and then you'd kind of go your separate ways. But everything changed, at least in my lifetime, in that Cam Newton Nick Fairley game in 2010, yeah. when they just absolutely uh, abused Aaron Murray, yeah, and I was actually a student photographer for the Red and Black, the Georgia newspaper, uh, covering that game, and I got a lot of frames of Aaron Murray with blood all over his jersey, and Ugh. it was kind of you know some pretty badass pictures, right? But that that night I was like, hey, this this thing just ratcheted up a different notch here. This is this is new. This doesn't feel the same way. This feels right. like uh, this team doesn't really like us at all. Like there's not even a little bit of respect. 
Yeah. So that's where it kind of changed. Um, and then there have been some things since then that I think have irritated Georgia fans. You know, Auburn complains to the league office and gets the game out of uh, November. All that, all the late fall things that you mentioned. Like, right. you could reasonably go to an Auburn-Georgia game and have some brown liquor with your breakfast, and it wouldn't make you feel like a, a bag of crap by lunchtime, <laughs> you know, because it would yeah. be cool outside. Right. Uh, there was that. And then in 2012 and 2013, they they got, you know, when Mizzou and Texas A&M came in, somehow Auburn got back-to-back home games against Georgia. And that's, you know, that's the year the kick six happened. That's the year the yeah. miracle of Jordan-Hare <laughs> happened. So there are some of these things that just kind of like dominoes happened since 2010, where Auburn is all of a sudden like, hey, we hate y'all. Like, yeah. We're not cool anymore, you know? So, yeah, does it still mean something? Yeah, I think it does for that reason. Even though Georgia's totally dominated. Totally uh, dominated. Hugh Freeze was saying that he's approaching this game with love. You know, he's trying to sound like Gary Gaines. He's got all this love in his heart. But, no, dude, there's no love here anymore. Sorry. Yeah. Um, And what was your second part of that question? Fan. I don't even. I, I'm trying to think. Well, this, I, I'm, I'm so thrown off by the love thing that, like, because because yeah. that was such a weird. Like, I mean, you've been around this this job for for a long time and like watching press conferences. That was about as weird as it got for me because like there's that is not the sense that you have from the fan base. No, well, I just saw the the quote from uh, Hawkinson who who's over at On Three for the Auburn site, but yeah. I um I didn't hear it. I just read it, but it still kind of hit my eyes funny. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so, so what does Georgia think about this, this game, even though they've dominated, uh, it's a road game, you know, it's Carson Beck's first road game. Yeah. The later I've gotten into the week, I've started to feel more and more confident that Georgia's going to cover it, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not like blow them out, but you know, maybe even just going away, get a late little yeah. score and, uh, cover the, cover that thing. But yeah, I mean, it, this could end up being a game where Georgia gets up and Kirby just says, "All right, they're not going to score anymore, so we're yeah. not either." <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. So, so we were going through kind of how bad Auburn has been, especially throwing the ball on offense. Um, is there a scenario? Like, I, I don't even see a scenario where Auburn's like scoring enough points to yeah. possibly win the game. Like, do you see a scenario where Auburn has any way of? You know, putting up twenty, you know, twenty four to thirty points. That's what you're going to need to beat Georgia in this game. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, maybe they get a defensive score like they got at A and M. Um, Kirby runs out on the field though. I think he's getting that tackle. I think he's wrapping up, <laughs> yeah. unlike Jimbo. <laughs> uh, no, I don't see it. Yeah, but that doesn't mean it can't happen. Because yeah. it is yeah. a rivalry game, and it weird things happen in there. And, uh, yeah, but, but, you know, with my analytic statistical brain, looking at what the numbers that, uh, thorns put up and now they do have a good rushing attack. Um, I don't know. I mean, the thing about Georgia this year is, yeah, they've, they've had a lot of injuries, but now you've had guys that have gotten enough reps, even if they weren't starters, this is the dangerous thing about Georgia as long as this isn't a trend all year where like your second string, your third string is getting banged up too. Now, all of a sudden you've gotten guys in some meaningful snaps. Now. Yeah. yeah. The only team you played 
realistically South Carolina, but you've gotten a lot of young pups in there that are now like, Hey, I know what it feels like to be in a game. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I mean, I think this defense is just getting better as the year goes on because they're getting more experienced. So yeah, it's hard for me to see Auburn, uh, putting up a ton of points. I, I don't gamble, um, but yeah, that that under looking pretty sexy. I love it. Um, if you're allowed to, give us a score prediction, and then we'll get you out of here, man. We really appreciate the time. This has been a lot of fun as always. Chop it up with you, and then also, like I like, we could have done a full 20 minutes on you just doing the Coffee Town voice, and I would have just been just as entertained as always. <laughs> but I mean, um, yeah, give us a score prediction. Tell everyone where they can find all your stuff because it seems like there's more and more of it, man. And just very happy to see all your success, and, and we really appreciate you joining us, man. Yeah, thank you. I'd say, let's say Georgia 30, Auburn 13. Okay, I like that. And as I mentioned, for the college football side of things, over at dogshq.com, most of my work is on our YouTube channel, though, Dogs HQ YouTube channel. Uh, we cut up a lot of stuff over there and on our social media accounts. The other thing I work on is, uh, you mentioned Coffee Town. Um, that is basically my love letter to high school football and all the things that make it absurd and weird and fun. And, uh, the show that kind of houses that sketch, those, uh, that, that comedy is called go fight and win. And it drops every Thursday. I don't know when, when this airs, um, but our, our latest episode will have Booger McFarland on it. He talks about his high school football career and, we have pretty great guests on every week and they just kind of go down memory lane and we talk about yeah. all the things that made high school football unique for them. And then just kind of take a look at some of the crazy things that are happening in high school football around the country. Uh, some really crazy headlines every week. I mean, it, it never disappoints this week. Uh, an offensive lineman sent me his video of singing the national anthem and singing forever young in the halftime show of his high school football game just in full pads. So that's just kind of the flavor of the things we talk about. It's uh, I talk about. Uh, it's pretty much just me hosting it, but then when the guests come in, it's pretty fun. We've had Matt Stinch come on there, had uh, Jacob Hester, you know, a lot of SEC flavor, and uh, a lot more of that came from as the high school football season and, and this fall progresses. So you can find it there. Go fight win with West Blankenship on all the – things spotify apple youtube uh invite y'all to check that out it's pretty fun awesome all right dude we appreciate it we'll have to do it again soon and um and you know i i don't want to say it but go dogs this weekend for sure roll dogs right there it is (laughs) all right brother we'll talk to you soon thanks guys that was great that the whole the whole coffee town thing is is like one of my favorite things it's so hard to like replicate something like that being that funny for that long but yeah. it's it's oh, good good he's, he's um, hilarious man a lot of his stuff has gone really viral too yeah yeah um okay back to this game real quick i know i, I didn't give a prediction you said 35 13 35 13 he said so 30 to 13 my question is is auburn gonna be able to score because here's what's weird to me is the line is so low and you know vegas must know something and then the other part is the fact that like Oh, there's like been like a bunch of models that like people run these like models and like analytics and whatever. They might not know anything, but there's been a bunch of them from like respectable like people like Kelly Ford and 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 a couple of these other guys that have run these like you know CFB analytics and and whatever, and they're all within one score. A couple of them are by four points. So 
I'm going to go against my gut for once um, and, and see how it works out for me. I, I, I think in, like my heart tells me that George is going to roll and I don't know if Auburn will score a point, but there's just something about going to Jordan Hare. So I'm going to take Georgia to win. And I'm going to say it's 24 to 13. Okay. No. Low scoring. We're going next. All right. Let's go to Florida, Kentucky. Um, Let's see. This is a noon game. Number 22, Florida at Kentucky. The line is down to Kentucky or Kentucky minus one. Yeah. It was a pick of I thought two days ago. Um, Total is 44. So another low total. This game's on ESPN. Kentucky won the last two meetings and three of the last five. We all know the other stat from 1987 to 2017, Florida won 31 straight. Um, For me in this game, I haven't seen much from Kentucky's offense this year that I've loved. Um, I was thinking the O'Leary pickup would be better. He's thrown for nine touchdowns, five picks, which is not great. Mm -mm. Yeah, Devin Leary. Yeah, I said O'Leary. The running back transfer, Ray Davis, leads the team. 314 rushing yards, but they're facing a Florida defense that is really good um, overall. I mean, they're top 20 against the run, top 10 against the pass when it comes to defensive success rate. I think Florida could probably run on Kentucky um, Mm -hmm. in this game. And Graham Mertz, I believe, has no turnovers since the Utah game. I know he has no picks. So if he can protect the ball, um, I like Florida actually win this game outright. I'm going to go Florida 26, Kentucky 23. Yeah, here's my thing. I, I kind of am with you on this. And, and like, I want to pick Kentucky because I think it's a much more fun story. And, and all that stuff, I suppose I should have been writing down our, our picks the whole time and our, uh, what do you call it? I, I want to pick, um, I want to pick Kentucky because I feel like, you know, they're 4 0. I, lo- I love the, the clip that came out earlier this week. Um, it's an 11 a.m. start. And, and they asked uh, Mark Stoops, they said, Are you worried the fans aren't going to get it for this game? And he's like, you telling me it's like something along the lines of like, you don't think these, these good folks in Kentucky can get up early and start drinking before noon. Like I, I loved it. I loved it. And I think the crowd will be pumped because this is a fan base that as much crap as they get for, for like the basketball stuff and being a basketball school first, like they, they have gotten into football very, very much uh, over the last, like, like five to eight years under, under soups. And they have it with a chip on their shoulder because they feel like they're constantly disrespected from low hanging fruit jokes. And I, and I, I totally get it. Um, I, I would love to see this be a thing where Kentucky comes out and wins. I just haven't seen them piece together a full game. And as bad as that offense has been at times for, for Florida, I just, I don't trust Devin Leary who, again, it's not just the nine touchdowns and five interceptions. It's the fact that he had five interceptions against the 130th ranked strength of schedule in the country. Like all the games have been at home. He hasn't like, like, you know, and here's another one that's at home. Well, actually they play, played at Vandy, but that doesn't count. Right. So like <laughs> you get, you get Florida at home. It's a, it's a big, big game. And I really feel like this Florida team is really starting to gel with Graham Mertz, and he is like playing very, very confidently. And you saw it a little bit with that Tennessee game. Um, I like Florida to win outright. I think the the under is is the play here, but I'll take Florida twenty to seventeen. Okay. What was yours? Um, be, be a big name, a big game for Napier. Uh, I picked Florida 26-23. Okay. Where are we going next? Uh, let's go to the Friday night game. This is an interesting game. Uh, Utah, Oregon State. So that is 9 p.m. Friday on FS1, number 10, Utah, at number 19, Oregon State. Oregon State currently a three-point favorite. Uh, Total is 44.5, so another low total. I think that's 
right for this game as the makings of a defensive slugfest. Yeah. Um, I think the weather's supposed to be really bad, like rainy. Fucking course um, in St. Corvallis. Yeah. I just expect that Cam Rising isn't going to play. I'm just going to bet on them like he's not playing until I see him on the field. So you know he's medically cleared, right? No, I didn't know that. He's medically cleared. Like, he's been cleared for two weeks. He's been cleared to practice. He's been cleared to do everything for two weeks. And and everyone thought going into the season that he was he was because he was progressing well and all that kind of stuff that he was going to play for against Weaver State or whoever it was, and then go into the UCLA game because it would make the most sense. And now again with this, like I mean, Oregon State's favored by three, and they're a good football team. But that's I I just the Cam Rising thing is just very very odd to watch. It is, um, especially because the Utah offense under Nate Johnson has been bad. Yeah, bad. Real bad. 100th in the country and passing success rate. Um, Oregon State's defense has not been great either. Mm -mm. But Utah's defense is really good. Um, I think Oregon State's defense, while not great, can have success against Utah's offense unless rising plays. Um, Considering the weather, both offenses kind of struggle to run the ball. Um, My official pick for the game would be under the 44 and a half. Yeah, but as far as picking a winner, Oregon State since 2001 at home is 13 and one straight up and against the spread. Their only loss was last year to USC by three points. So yeah, I'm going to take and they Utah threw four State. interceptions in that game. Yeah, I'm going to take Oregon State to win this game, 24-17. Um, okay. Well, I mean, listen, I tried to do this a week ago, and I and I said I was going to ride Oregon State because they were my preseason pick to win the conference. It turns out that might not be. A great pick because Washington and Oregon look like world beaters right now. If USC is going to be able to put a bazillion points up on everybody. Um, I like what Oregon State's been able to do. DJU, uh, you know, they came storming back last week. They ended up losing by three on the road against a very, very underrated Washington State team with that offense. Um, if, if they don't have Cam Rising, I don't trust Utah's offense enough to go out here and it, like think about this that first game against against Florida, they didn't they weren't able to put up 30 points, right? It was a low-scoring game, and, and that's after they got a turnover inside the 15-yard line to start the second half and basically put them away. Like, that game was close for the first half. It just – Florida just couldn't do anything, but Utah couldn't either. So, going on the road to Corvallis, I think U- I think Utah's going to be in, a, in for a long day, especially if it's like one of those gross, rainy, typical Oregon, Oregon-type days. Um, I got Oregon State to win too, and, and I think, like you said, I, I love the under there. It's forty-four. I've got Oregon State. I'm going to say I'm going to use the same score as last game, twenty to seventeen. All right. Um, let's go to this one because I don't think the outcome is in doubt. But number eight USC at Colorado. This is also a noon game, so ten local uh, for this game. Uh, Colorado plus twenty-one and a half. Total 73 and a half. This game's on Fox. Um, 10 a.m.? 10 a.m. local, yeah. It's the 12 p.m. kick Eastern. Breakfast with the buffs. It sounds awful. Oof. Sounds like a... I don't know what that sounds like, but it doesn't sound good. <laughs> um, USC leads the nation in scoring offense, 55 points per game. Caleb Williams, just a monster again this year. Yeah. 1,200 yards passing, 15 touchdowns, no picks. Rush for another three touchdowns. Um, 
their defense still sucks. They gave up 28 points to Arizona State last week, who's not good. So bad. Um, I will say Shador Sanders got sacked seven times last week against Oregon. He's been sacked 22 times on the season. So I think Colorado can get a little right on on defense. Um, and I just kind of feel this vibe that I'm getting for these upper-tier teams in the Pac-12 is they're going to try to put a number on Dion while they can. Yeah. So I've got USC 52, Colorado 24. See, I don't think that, that Lincoln Riley is going to do that to them. 52 to 24? Yeah. Um, I don't think that... that that he's going to do that to them. I do think so. The over under in this game is 73, which is a lot, which is a lot. Um, I wonder how the offense looks. We like Oregon is a better defensive team, obviously than, than Colorado, than, uh, than USC is. And they get them at home. So that's also good. Right. Um, the thing that I think is interesting about this is like, I I, name your number for what that offense will do to Colorado. Like name, name the number. Do I mean, they could put up 50 plus and let's not forget this is a defense that I understand. It's a different time. It's a different coach and all that kind of stuff. But a year ago, their last six games, they gave up an average of 53 points per game in their last six total um, to close out the 2022 season. So last week, gave up 42. Probably could have been a little bit worse. It was like 35 nothing at the half. Late in the third quarter, we talked about it. They had 479 yards of offense for Oregon, 34 for, for Colorado. Um, I, I'd love... Shadir Sanders being able to put up some some points in this game, like early in the game, I think it, like it could be closer, right? I think the first half line is like like twelve and a half or something like that. I think Colorado can cover that, but I don't think they can stay with them for for four quarters because they because here's the other thing too. It's it's again, it's a very rare situation where your best player, who's one of the best players at his position on offense and defense, is out. So yeah. it's not just the fact that you have. You know what I mean? Like it's it's I I think that's like a very very we just haven't seen anything like that where like teams have had to overcome that. Like when's the last time we watched a guy go both ways? Well, we're not going to kink shame here like you always yeah, say. No, so we don't kink shame on this podcast. <laughs> um, no, I, I I think I think USC wins. I will say I think they cover the spread. Um, I I think that they win. I'll say fifty four to. 24. That's almost exactly what you said. Yeah. I was say. Damn it. 54 20. 54 28. Uh, okay. okay. Are they still covering the spread at that point? Yeah. No, I don't know. I can't do math. I'm an idiot. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go to the uh, 330 game here. Number 24, Kansas at number three, Texas. Texas is a 16 and a half point favorite, total 61 and a half. This game's on ABC. Um, first time the two programs have ever played each other while ranked, both ranked. So yeah, that's pretty that's cool. crazy. Um, Kansas has started 4 0 in consecutive seasons for the first time since 1914, 1915. Uh, what are your thoughts on this game? So, I, I mean, it's funny because I was talking about this this morning on, on radio that, like, I think. And this might sound crazy because it's not any time. It's not like it happened last year, but I think that there's technically a little bit of a revenge factor still into this game. Like, like this is a game where in the past Texas would probably sleepwalk through it. They looked really good last week against Baylor, thirty-eight to six, dominated Baylor on the road. Um, we keep waiting for them to slip up. Maybe they lose to Oklahoma. I don't know because Oklahoma's they they've looked really good even though they struggled against Cincy. But like, it's I think been, FPI has Oklahoma the number two team in the country, which is ridiculous. They do. Yeah, but like 
but it's been really interesting to see. Well, but also, and like you've seen it from like an offense and a defensive like efficiency standpoint, uh, like a 24 seven sports put that out there. I think they were ranked first in the country in that too. Like overall, um, that game's for, next for, weekend. I know it's gonna, yeah. gonna be fun. God, that's gonna be a, oh, that I hope it, I hope that's a noon game because that means it'll be Oklahoma, Texas, Bama, and it is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think I think that like when you look at the 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 stuff that Texas has been able to do like this season, the defense is not getting enough credit. The defense has played really, really well. Quinn Ewers has been awesome. He hasn't forced anything. I don't think Jalen Daniels is, is healthy still. And and Kansas has been really fun, but it's the same thing they did last year where it's like they've been really fun at home. So how do they look on the road? I'm not saying it's a revenge game for Texas because they lost last year or whatever, but it's one of those games where like you can tell this team that they can't afford to sleepwalk because they can't. And Two like years all ago, goal, this game was like 55, 53 or something like that over yeah. time. And, and they lost at home to Kansas because um, a walk-on quarterback caught like a, a touchdown pass in, in double overtime, whatever. Yeah. So I, I think Texas wins. I will say I, I will not take them to cover, but I think Texas wins. Um, and I'll say it's 34 to, to 23. All right, I, I I think Texas might be the most well-rounded team in the country when it comes to offense and defense. Ooh. Yeah, their defense is really good. Number three in overall defensive success rate. Kansas is horrible at stopping the pass. Not, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're bad. So I think you're going to see a big day for Xavier Worthy, Quinn Ewers. Last week, I was on BYU plus eight and a half against Kansas. Kansas got two defensive TDs and one by 11. So I feel like... I should have won that bet. And I feel like Kansas. <laughs> That's that old sentence. <laughs> um, I feel like I should have won that bet. Yeah. Okay. Texas won this game last year, 55 to 14. Texas is a better team this year than they were last year. Yeah. I got Texas rolling in this one, 42, 20. Okay. I like that. Um, you want to dip in here to the SEC real quick and, and just, yeah, I was going to say, let's get it out of the way. Yeah, number 23, Missouri at Vanderbilt. Wait, hold on. What was your points for Texas again? 42-20. All right, got you. Sorry. Uh, number 23, Missouri at Vandy, plus 13.5 for Vandy, total 54.5. This game is at 4 p.m. on the SEC Network. Uh, yeah. For me, this is all about Missouri being in a flat spot. You're in a dead environment at Vandy. You've got... You've started the season with some pretty great wins because keep in mind they've their their three wins over FBS opponents have come by a combined fourteen points. So they've had some exhilarating wins. Um, they got LSU on deck at home. Yeah, Missouri's been good at protecting the ball this year. They only have two t- total turnovers. They're playing good defense. Um, I I don't expect them to lose this game, but I just feel that they're going to kind of sleepwalk through this one. So okay. it's just a gut feeling Vandy covers this one, maybe score more than they should. 35-24 Missouri. 35-24 Missouri. All right. So I do like the over in this because um, Mizzou has given up a lot of points. And, and it's weird, too, because, like, that defense was considered like it was going to be, like, the, the the strong part of that that unit. They returned, like, eight to nine starters from last year, however, however you want to look at it. Brady Cook. This is the only reason I even want to do this. Brady Cook and Luther Vandross. I'm kidding. Luther Burden. Both of those guys deserve a shout out, and and I feel like they're not getting nearly enough love. Luther Luther Burden has been awesome. Dude, he's um, probably the best receiver in the country, I think. 
Well, he's he's the most underrated and not not talked about receiver in the country for sure. And yeah. and Brady Cook is coming to a season where going into the year, we've said it on here and we we, we heard about nonstop. And like I, like the question I was asking about Mizzou before the season started was, are they going to start Sam Horn? Because he's probably the long term guy that's going to win you the most games and not Brady Cook. Um, or are they going to try to salvage one, maybe two extra wins under Brady Cook this year? just so they can win because drink drink needs to win the games. Um, Brady Cook's been awesome. I, I had him this week in our, our Saturday on South. Sorry, unofficial, official rankings of quarterbacks for Saturday on South. And I say that because there's there's apparently an official rankings on the website, which we're not allowed to. They're not yours. No, they're not. That, so that yeah. guy, he knows quarterbacks and, and numbers. And that's frankly something. That's something like, you need to have. People always say everyone's entitled to their own opinion. And I think sometimes at this job, it's very clear I'm not allowed to. And I think that's fair. I think that's totally fair and not an overreaction at all um, from the editor on the website. And that's fine. Uh, we can talk about it. I mean, he's not going to listen to the podcast anyway, so I don't fucking care. Anyway, what's your Mizzou, for this game? Mizzou going to Vandy, very sleepy game. Very, very sleepy game. That stadium's going to be, that stadium's going to be so empty. Mizzou fans aren't going to travel for this. Um, I think they win. I don't think they cover. This is such a perfect letdown spot always for Mizzou. So I think Mizzou wins 31-21. Okay. Uh, let's stay in the SEC here. A&M and Arkansas. Um, let me get to the notes here. By the way, we're missing a graphic. LSU, Ole Miss. Who? LSU, Ole Miss? All right, hold on. You, you keep talking. I'll I'll make it. Uh, this is a noon game as well. Um, A&M and Arkansas plus six and a half is the line for Arkansas. Total 53 and a half. This game's on the SEC network. Mm-hmm. Played in AT&T Stadium, Arlington, Texas. Uh, this is a rivalry that started in 1903. That's crazy. Arkansas leads the all-time series 42-34-3-3, and but Texas A&M has won 10 of 11 since coming over to the SEC. This is the first time since 2018 that neither school was ranked in the matchup. Um, how do you feel about this game? I, the Connor Wegman news is a bummer for AM for sure. I mean, yeah. I, I like Max Johnson, but not as much as Wegman. No, I, I, I want to say that this is a game where it's like, like it's, it feels like it's always close. It feels like something crazy always happens right um and i i I feel like you saw it last week when we thought that arkansas was gonna get blown out and there's they're what in the hell they're a they were a 17 um what is happening with this This it's not the one i i used right uh they were a 17 and a half point underdog um when it came to the the game against lsu and they were winning at halftime they were up 13 to 3 late and like under two minutes to go in the first half and they just found a way to blow it so are they able to go to Arlington and like, cause this is like a very important game for their season. Like anything they, that they want to have still on the table, they, they've got to have, and you kind of get a and M in a, in a spot where they might be a little bit vulnerable just because of the fact that you're, you're without your, your quarterback. That's been kind of a star so far this week for you. have been like, like, you know, besides Stewart, the best part of that offense. I think Max Johnson is a good quarterback. I don't know what he's able to do for 60 straight minutes. He was the quarterback in this game last year, I believe. I can't remember. Yeah. 
you can't remember anything. No. Um, but I think I think that I I want this is like a game where I want to say Arkansas is able to do something. But I tell you what, man, the weakest part of that that Arkansas team is their offensive line, which is crazy to say because of like that's what Pittman's whole thing is is, is coaching the offensive line and recruiting, and they're just not very good in the offensive line. So that being said. I think if I had to say who's going to win, when you talk about like the the matchup they're going to have to be facing most is is the uh, what do you call it? the the A and M defensive line versus that Arkansas offensive line. I think they're going to wreak havoc, and I think they're going to they're going to put KJ Jefferson under pressure all day. I think that A and M wins. I think they win by by ten plus points. I will say A and M uh, twenty eight, Arkansas seventeen. Exactly ten points. No, it's eleven. Uh- and I, I think you said I think they win by ten. No. Um. Yeah, AM gets Noah Thomas back at wide receiver. He has four touchdowns on the season, so that's good for them. Arkansas's blown two ten point leads the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. I think they put a lot in that game last week. And typically, well, I'm trying to take the desperate head coach, and Arkansas is desperate for a win here. Yeah. Um. I just think that Arkansas probably put a ton into that game. Came up just short. Can you get back up for a game like this? Probably, but I just think AM has too much talent. Late touchdown covers AM 31, Arkansas 23. Okay. Like it. How many more we got? We have this game and the Duke game. That's what a sentence. I <laughs> know, right? We're saving the big Duke game for last. We're saving a Duke home football game for last. And We're I'm going to say game something day. during that. Yeah, college game day is there for the first time ever. I'm going to say something that I fully believe. I said it to you already off air, and I'm going to say it when we talk about that. I'll save it for the for the finale, though. But let's let's talk Ole Miss LSU. All right, number 13 LSU at number 20 Ole Miss. Ole Miss currently a two-and-a-half-point dog. 67-and-a-half is the total. This game's at 6 p.m. on ESPN. Um, to me, this is a battle of uh, what has been a lackluster off offense for Ole Miss, what we've come to expect from them. Um, versus a lackluster defense for LSU. Hasn't yeah. exactly looked as good as we thought they would. Which one breaks through in this game? Which one do you have more confidence in? You asking me? Yeah, because LSU, I think, is going to score. They're going to put up 30-plus. Yeah. So do you think LSU's defense steps up and looks better than they have, or do you think Ole Miss's offense steps up? I think Ole Miss's offense is more likely to step up just because of the fact that they they're going to be at home and and LSU's defense is bad. Like it's been bad and they're bad at, at the, at the spot where Ole Miss can attack because I all, we all thought that Quinchon Junkins was going to be the one that was going to be like, be like, like the, the catalyst for this offense. And, and maybe he still will be, I know he's kind of, he's kind of banged up and I haven't used him that much. Ole Miss leads the sec in explosive plays, um, total explosive plays of 20 plus yards or more, and they have 34 total. Do you want to take a guess at how many of those are running plays versus passing plays? Hmm. Almost all of them passing. 33 were were passing, and only one is running. So I think wow. I think that they will they will be able to break out. You you can you keep breaking it down because I'm adding something up. Um I I think I trust the, the unit that I trust most here is the LSU offense. Um, I trust Jaden Daniels. He's been really good this year. Mm-hmm. I love their receivers. 
And I just think Ole Miss's offense is missing something. And it, really what it is is Quinchon Judkins has been basically a ghost this year. I don't yeah. know what happened to him. Um, so because of that, still think it'll be a tight game, but I got LSU 33, Ole Miss 30. And I think at some point in the game, Harold Perkins makes a big play to change it in favor of LSU. Okay. I like that. Um, give me your stat. This is what I'm most interested to see. I talked about this on Sunday and that is, or on the Monday episode, there's Lane Kiffin. I don't think the program has, has hit its ceiling, but I do wonder if Lane Kiffin's maturity as a head coach has hit its ceiling because what we saw last week and, and, and honestly, man, I've been asked about it a decent amount. Like, I, I think it's just I'm like a Bama guy and I was asked about it on fine bomb and all that kind of shit. But like, I have not seen that many people in the local Ole Miss media call him out and say, Hey, did, do you think looking back on it, it was a good idea to just poke the bear all week, just nonstop all week, because it didn't seem like it was like really necessary. And it also didn't work out in your favor at the end. So why'd you do it? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder what they look like getting off the mat in the, since he's been there in regular season losses, a uh, Ole Miss is six and five coming off of a loss, six and five, right? They ended last year with four straight losses, um, including let's see here, um, the bowl game, obviously, Texas Tech. But those six wins, right? The six wins, two of them were by one point, one of them was by three points against, against AM last year, who was five and seven. And then one was against Vandy, and the other was against Liberty. I don't trust Lane Kiffin to stop the bleeding at all. I think LSU goes in there and handles their business because I think what you see on both sides of the ball is, like, how does Ole Miss look from a from a desperate standpoint? Because I think this is – I don't think it's a desperate team necessarily, but I think Kiffin probably feels a little bit of pressure because he knows that what he did last week – can't can't happen and he, he he's got a little bit of egg on his face and whatever you want to say like he's a little bit probably embarrassed because he is a prideful coach and you know and there's a little bit of arrogance in there um i think that what worries me about him is his inability to gauge the situation of all right we have our backs against wall we need to win this game that doesn't mean that you need to go for it every fourth down like a must-win situation doesn't mean you need to go for it on fourth and two from your own 34 in the first half, sometimes that means even at midfield, punt them deep, see if the defense will go or that our offense will go the entire length of the field. And this offense is really good and, and probably capable of doing that. But like, I wonder what like what he looks like because I think I want to say under pressure because I think he is under pressure. I think that on the other sideline, Brian Kelly is in a totally different area of of, of like where he, he's currently at with his team versus Ole Miss. I think LSU wins. I think they win big. I got LSU by ten. Um, I think the uh, the over. I would also. I would. I would definitely smash the over. I think it's like sixty seven. It keeps going up from like sixty three. Um, I would take LSU thirty eight. Um, Ole Miss twenty eight. Is that over? That's not the over. God, so hmm. maybe a little preparation could have done well for that. Okay. Well. I did prep on everything else. I just didn't do the scores. What was your score? Uh, 33-30 LSU. 7.30 p.m. Number 11, Notre Dame. At Look at these graphics. First off, I'm talking about graphics. preparation, dickhead. Yeah. 
Also, we're doing this strictly on on like Spotify and Apple right now, so people can't even see the graphics. It's a waste of time. We're not putting this on YouTube. No, I am. Okay. Number eleven, Notre Dame at number seventeen, Duke. Duke currently a six point underdog. Total fifty two. This game's on ABC. I feel great about spot Duke's in right now. Me too. Uh, Notre Dame's coming off a heartbreaker. Duke just casually went on the road and beat UConn forty seven zero. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Elko, head coach of Duke, who I still I'm going to call it now. He's going to be the next head coach at Michigan State. Should be familiar with Hartman coming from the ACC. Um, last time these two quarterbacks, Riley Leonard doesn't get enough love nationally. Dude is a beast. Yeah, as a Florida State fan, I'm quite concerned about him. Yeah. Um, Last time these two QBs faced off, Riley Leonard actually threw for 391 yards and, and Hartman was like 350 and Duke yeah. beat Wake. Uh, I think Riley Leonard's better than Kyle McCord. And I I just think I, I love Duke here to cover. I mean, I I don't know if I can take him. I may take him a money line. I don't know. I don't I'm not gonna predict him to win. I got Notre Dame 28, Duke 24. Okay. But I may sprinkle a little Duke money line this weekend. I think you should sprinkle yeah. the blank out of it because I yeah. think that Riley Leonard is is one of the better quarterbacks in the country that we're not talking about, and it's hard to take this seriously because it's Duke. Let's just call it what it is. It's Duke, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's so bizarre that Duke, Notre Dame, they're going to have game day there. But I tell you what, man, Notre Dame is coming off a soul-sucking loss. I mean, yeah. a soul-sucking loss. Like, that is about as bad as it can get. And and you you were like, you didn't lead the whole game, but it kind of felt like you were in contention or or were leading for what seemed like like for most of when it counted. Yeah, I mean, you had the ball with four minutes to go, and they, they, I remember they panned over to Sam Hartman, and they had just gotten a first down. It's like, man, you've got one of the best running backs in the country with Estime, and, and you can you, he's averaging over 10 yards per carry in the fourth quarter, all that kind of stuff. Is Notre Dame good enough to get off the mat, which seems to be a theme this week, get off the map, or Matt, and then go down to Durham and impose their will against what should be a Duke team that shouldn't be as deep as you, as talented as you, or anywhere close to being on the same field as you. However, as of today, as of last week, how about that? I think Duke could beat Alabama. I really do. I, I think that Riley Leonard is a really good quarterback, and they they are able to put up a ton of points. They've only given up more than seven points in one game. It's a Northwestern, and they put up, I think it was like 40-something in that game as well. Um, and they've played they, Clemson. What? And they've played Clemson already this year. Oh, three of their four wins are, are, are like, it, it's at UConn, which is a bowl team last year. Northwestern, who I understand Northwestern sucks, but it's a Power 5 team. They beat them by Did Northwestern beat this week? I don't remember. Oh, they, they beat, beat Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, hey, like, you're a Florida State guy. Dude, you saw how difficult it is to beat Clemson. Like you, you saw how difficult it is to beat Clemson. No, I'm terrified of that Florida State Duke game. If it was on the road at Duke, I would be not not thrilled. I mean, I still think it's gonna be. Sense. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Duke, Duke's Duke's for real. Duke beat Clemson by 21, beat Northwestern by 24, and they beat UConn by 34. You beat Lafayette by 35. So Notre Dame coming in there. Do you know what happened last time Notre Dame came off a, a, a devastating loss where they had a lead against Ohio State and then, and then lost? 
No. They lost to Marshall the very next week. Yeah. So how does this team bounce back? I don't think they do. I think Duke wins, and I I, I think it's going to be an awesome, awesome scene in Durham. I mean, I'm talking about 33,000 fucking future Ernst & Young interns just losing their fucking minds. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I But again, I think Riley Leonard, that left tackle they have is a is projected first-round pick, and Mike Elko's a good coach. Four years at D.C. Yeah. over at A&M under Jimbo. He was great there. He won nine games. Well, that, where was one. he? Notre Dame. Yeah. I just, I think that, I think that Duke is a really, a much better football team than people give him credit for. And I'm not even taking anything away from Notre Dame because they, they probably should have won that game a week ago, but they didn't. And I think it's hard to recover if you're trying to get focused for a full week. You got to go on the road. It's not going to be a crazy environment. Are they going to be able to like rally the troops and like, you know, have like a, like, like, become like more of a team and all that kind of unity and shit like that. It happens on the road. I like Riley Leonard, man. I like Riley Leonard. I, I like, I like Duke to win. So I got Duke winning. Um, I'll say 31, 28. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, that was a great show, man. That's the end of the show. As always, <clears throat> we really appreciate you guys listening to the show. We really do. Mm-hmm. Um, the numbers are great. Share with your friends, continue to do so. Uh, it would help us if you would rate us five stars on apple and spotify leave yeah. a review um we read the best ones on air as we did this past week like and subscribe we have a new segment YouTube. coming new segment yes we do angry fans yeah gonna it's be like, fun instead of only fans it's angry fans so instead of like feet picks it's defeat picks more i love that yeah. we can keep going with those puns dude you're the best at I'm puns so good at it. thank you um and in order for you to be featured on Angry Fans, leave us a message, 770-674-8233. So if you're a Notre Dame fan and you lose the, the Duke this weekend, you may want to call in with a little grumpy attitude. Don't forget to check out the SDS podcast weekly with Connor O'Gara. And you can find the clips from the show on Twitter, at Sat Down South, Instagram and TikTok, at Saturday Down South, on YouTube, Saturday Down South. For Chris, I'm Tyler. Good luck to your teams. Call us on the hotline. We'll talk to you next week.